Good morning, Wyoming, and welcome to today's show. I'm Mark Hamilton. I'm your host. And in today's show, we're going to be looking at current prices. And yes, the oil and natural gas prices have started to drop. Also, we'll take a look at other energy news. And we'll compare some Exxon and Apple numbers. We'll finally, today, we'll look at pipelines from our history of the state of Wyoming and the impact that they've had on our development of oil and gas here in the state of Wyoming. Thanks for listening. Texas Intermediate Crude is trading at 110.57 here on the 21st day of June. Brent Crude is trading at 114.60. Natural gas is at 683. In relation to that natural gas price, it's come down. Both oils come down and natural gas here recently. Natural gas has pulled off of pretty close to $9 in, in an article I did see or a report. The price at Opal in southwest Wyoming and then from a note from an earlier show, that's the origin point of the Ruby Pipeline that delivers natural gas into Mallon, Oregon. And the main delivery point into the PG&E service region, it fell at $1.75 MMBTU from $8.93 an MMBTU last Wednesday to $7 yesterday. So you can see the sudden pullback, which is pretty extreme. Also taking a look at rig count, the rig count is up seven rigs this week. And this is for the report as of June 17th. We were at one, I mean, excuse me, 740. Here in the state of Wyoming, we're still hanging at 18 rigs right now, presently. And I know there's a lot of talk about with these oil prices staying firm, that there might be a little bit more drilling infield-wise in some of these areas. That's some of the scuttlebutt that's been pushed down that I've heard. Taking a look at other things happening, and kind of, I guess, promoting our energy business here in the state of Wyoming, what we do for the state. Just some fun tidbits from the Petroleum Association of Wyoming. Wyoming has production in 21 of 23 counties. The only two without production are Teton and Platte County. The severance taxes that we collect here are from 2020. We got oil at 170 million natural gas at 104 million, coal was at 170 million, and Trona at 15 million. Property taxes collected are 311 for oil, natural gas at 156 million, coal at 154, 154 million, and Trona at 33 million. In 2020, we collected our contributions, oil and gas contributed to the state and our local government at $1.23 billion. That tax type is in property taxes, severance taxes, federal royalties, federal lease revenues, state royalties, sales and use tax, and conservation mill levies. And of course, with that 1.3, or excuse me, 1.23 billion, that equates to $2,129 per person. So it's quite evident the value that energy has for our state and what it does provide. So 
again, I think from earlier discussions, we realize, and I think the people here in the state of Wyoming realize what oil and gas does for our state. And kind of a different angle today, I saw this article on oilprice.com, or actually it was an editorial from Robert Rapper. It was on June 18th. And the title of this is What Biden is Getting Wrong About Big Oil's Profits. And reading from the editorial, Last Friday, President Biden singled out ExxonMobil for reaping big profits as a result of high oil and gas prices. The president complained, why don't you tell them what Exxon's profits were this year, this quarter? Exxon made more money than God this year. Exxon, start investing, start paying your taxes. Oil companies aren't reaping huge profits because they are gouging consumers and their high profits aren't driving inflation. The high profits and soaring inflation are both a result of high oil prices and oil companies that have little influence over that. Oil companies are always a convenient scapegoat, particularly for the Democrats, but let's look at ExxonMobil's profits in context. Further, let's compare the company's net profits to those of Apple over the past 10 quarters. In the most recent quarter, ExxonMobil reported $5.5 billion in net income. If that's more than God, I wonder how President Biden would qualify Apple's $25 billion for the quarter. Five times more than God? Oh, um, and ExxonMobil also paid $2.8 billion in taxes, so it seems that they are paying their taxes. Over the past 12 months, ExxonMobil has reported $25.8 billion in net income versus Apple's $101.9 billion. But if we look back further, the discrepancy is much worse. ExxonMobil reported losses in four of the past 10 quarters, including a whopping $20.1 billion loss in December 2020. That's what can happen when you don't control the price of the product you sell. You don't see that happening with Apple. They never earned less than $11.2 billion in any of the past 10 quarters. Add it all up, include the losses, and over the past 10 quarters, ExxonMobil earned $11.1 billion and Apple earned $211.7 billion. Perhaps someone can help me understand this concept of price gouging. ExxonMobil is selling a product whose price is set on the global commodities market. They earn a fraction of Apple's profits. Apple has full control over the price of its products and trounces ExxonMobil's earnings in every quarter. Apple could slash the price of its product and still make a huge profit but ExxonMobil can't slash the price of its products because it doesn't set the price. Yet it's ExxonMobil that is accused of gouging. If you want to know how we can end up and how we end up with these bad energy policies, it's because too many politicians believe things that aren't true. Rather an interesting take on the editorial. I can tell you, being in the business for 41 years, that we have definitely don't set the price because we've seen a lot of tough times out there through those 41 years, a lot of low prices. So it seems like that our prices will change. And I've had people tell me before, well, we've got a Democratic administration coming in. With that, we'll definitely have higher oil prices. So, And finally, just to touch on coal, I did see an article this week where the Germans are going to start firing back up their coal-fired plants. They're in an issue right now with the Russians on gas. And so they need to have some type of fuel to generate with. And they're going to bring their coal facilities back on. So, again, coal is back in the market. Continuing on today, we're going to take a look. We've looked at our wells and some of our development. 
and we talked about now that we have our wells producing we need to get this product to the market and this is from the wyominghistory.org from Tom Mass. Oil to market a history of pipelines in Wyoming. When in its first decade Wyoming oil production was limited to a few seeping fractures and shallow wells conveying petroleum to market could be accomplished by the use of a simple whiskey barrel and horse-drawn wagons. But as the number of prolific wells increased in the 1890s at places like the Shannon and Salt Creek fields north of Casper, Wyoming, production outstripped the capacity of operators to move it effectively. Lack of transportation has kept the Salt Creek field out of the market, the Casper Press noted April 21st of 1911. The wells have been drilled and are either plugged or the oil has been wasted. Difficulties of oil transportation arose as soon as Edward Drake became the first in the United States to successfully employ a drilling rig to produce oil near Titusville, Pennsylvania in 1859. Leaking barrels and even wash tubs were used to haul away then modest amounts of crude oil. But as oil exploration increased, more efficient means were required. One early plan called for a six inch diameter wooden pipeline to transport oil from the old salt well in Wirt County, West Virginia to propose refinery in Parkersburg. Due to the Civil War, the line was never built. With drilling spreading across the continent, effective transportation of crude oil became even more urgent. Wooden pipelines were eventually employed on a limited basis, along with cast iron and wrought iron lines in and around wells as production wrapped up. Wyoming oilmen face even greater transportation difficulties than their counterparts in the east. Since oil fields were often developed at remote locations where terrain was difficult, even in good weather. In the early days of the Shannon and Salt Creek field, oil was hauled in strings of wagons pulled by so-called teams of 12 to 18 horses or mules. The 100-mile round trip could take a week in good weather or two weeks in bad. Teamsters carried shovels and picks and sometimes were obligated to create a road as they went. Prior to 1990, the markets for crude oil were limited. The Union Pacific used some unrefined petroleum for lubricating rail axle cars and kerosene was used for lighting in rural homes. In 1895, Wyoming's first oil refinery was constructed in Casper. Pennsylvania Oil and Gas Company owns both the wells, of which there were now seven, and the refinery here in Natrona. Tribune reported on September 5, 1895. G.O.B. McClamot, who was the mayor of Casper as well as the associate law judge of the district court and a good fellow to boot, is vice president and manager of the company. He thinks his company will lay a pipeline from the wells to town probably next year. Despite such pipeline speculation, horsepower remained the mainstay for hauling crude oil. New horse-drawn tank wagons left Casper in January 1898 for Salt Creek. It was 10 days before the outfit returned. John McClure arrived in Casper on a Monday with his 14-horse team and full tanks. The combined weight of the three wagons was 28,400 pounds, including 19,700 pounds of oil. That was 5,000 pounds more than oil that was ever been brought by using barrels. In 1911, the Midwest Oil Company completed a 6-inch diameter pipeline from the Salt Creek field to a 2,000-barrel-per-day refinery in Casper. By November 1911, two pipelines had been completed from Salt Creek to Casper. During the same period, Franco-American Company ran a pipeline between Casper and Medicine Bow, Wyoming, bringing oil to the Union Pacific Railroad. Some new pipelines were dedicated to convey natural gas. 
1911, home use of natural gas began in Gravel and in Basin, Wyoming, and in 1912, gas was transported via pipeline from the nearby Byron Field to the town of Byron, Wyoming. In 1920, a major project to expand natural gas supplies in the Bighorn Basin was completed by the Bighorn Gas Company in 1927. This entailed laying a pipeline from the Little Buffalo Basin Field Park in Hot Springs counties to the Knowwood River, where it tied into a gas main running to Grable and other points north. The effort involved laying over 42 miles of 14-inch pipeline and nearly 14 miles of 12-inch pipeline. A pipeline in the Lance Creek field near Lus, Wyoming was started in 1919 during an oil and gas boom. Men working around the clock hired women to wait in line at the post office for their mail, according to one account. In 1921, Producers and Refiner Corp. and Midwest Refining Company built a 90-mile pipeline, the largest natural gas line in Wyoming at the time. The state's natural gas consumption had reached 15 BCF of gas in 1921, driven largely by the industrial refining and domestic users in Casper. In 1928, a total of one gasoline, 20 natural gas, 39 oil pipelines, nearly 2,000 miles of pipe in all had been laid in Wyoming. Eight oil pipelines ran from the Salt Creek field to Casper, the most of anywhere in the state. By the end of 1930, it saw more pipelines being built over longer distances and requiring more security to protect them. In 1938, the first oil pipeline to cross from Wyoming into another state was laid from Lance Creek to Denver. Some pipelines invited thievery. Some gasoline could be siphoned off and sold in the black market. By 1952, a pipeline was constructed. This landmark project opened wholly new markets in the Midwest for oil produced in the Rocky Mountain region. When completed, the pipeline linked Wyoming oil fields via Casper to points as far east as Wood River, Illinois, a distance of 1,056 miles. It was originally called the Downhill Pipeline since the journey to Illinois was all downhill. The Platte Pipeline, built by the five owners of the Platte Pipeline Company, Golf, Conoco, Marathon, Pure Oil, a division of Union Oil of California, and Sinclair Pipeline. Total cost in 1952 dollars was $69.35 million. The Belfouche Pipeline was constructed in the mid-1950s to carry oil from fields in the northeastern Wyoming, where the river of the same name is located. Booms in natural gas activity ushered in a new chapter in Wyoming pipeline history in the 1990s. New projects, especially related to coal bed methane in the Powder River Basin, in tight sand natural gas production in the Jonah Field, and on the Pinedale Anticline resulted in the construction of long-distance lines to both the West Coast and to the Midwest. Because export pipeline capabilities were severely limited, Wyoming natural gas producers were receiving only a fraction of the nation's average price, so building new natural gas pipelines became a priority. Between 1999 and 2008, at least seven large-capacity header laterals, which transported natural gas from the local gathering systems to interconnections with major interstate pipelines, were built in the state of Wyoming.
By 2014, there were at least 9,235 miles of crude oil and 24,726 miles of natural gas pipelines in Wyoming, including both gathering and transmission lines. The Wyoming Pipeline Authority also reported at least 1,896 miles of pipeline used to move refined commodities such as diesel and gasoline, as well as 1,758 miles for natural gas liquids. Rather interesting, the progression of pipelines from the 1850s when they were talking about wooden pipelines to where we are today with the technology. Also on those early pipelines, and I've known a person that actually worked on a segment of line, they were dug by hand and they would get a group of workers together and everybody had shovels and picks and away they went. A lot of those lines were not uh, buried really deep. They were shallow lines, but back uh, that was the horsepower that was available as far as being able to do that. And then they started developing techniques for digging or trenching a line. And today the technology is just unbelievable, the ability to put pipeline in the ground. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed our show. And per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for energy here at Behind Wyoming Energy, your everything Wyoming energy podcast.